أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعباد الرحمن الذين يمشون على الأرض هونا وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما والذين يبيتون لربهم سجدا وقياما صدق الله العظيم We had been discussing the aspect of this humility. Indeed, there is so much regarding this very fundamental topic and subject which our Akabir have written, which they have discussed. Their mawais are filled with it. Hazrat Thanwi Rahmatullahi's mawais, our other Akabir, that what we can even fathom from it is a minor fraction. And after all, when this is the root, the opposite of tawazu and humility being takabbur, and that being the root of all the evils, and tawazu and humility being the antidote, being the treatment for this takabbur, then obviously this would be something that would have been discussed at length and would have been great efforts would have been made to bring this in the lives of people. And therefore we find that in the lives of all our Kabir, all our Mashaikh, this was something very, very prominent. As explained, that this is not something confined to the external self. The real place of Tawazu is the heart, the condition of the heart. That a person truly believes, I am nobody, truly believes, I am nothing and doesn't ever look down upon anybody, doesn't ever regard himself as better than anyone else. So this is something that there is no end to this topic. What we can really talk about is very little, but what has been discussed by our elders, etc., is really an ocean. And we find this quality filled in their lives. Their entire lives spoke of this tawazu. They lived it and they passed it on in this practical manner as well. Many a times these claims come to our mind, sometimes on our tongue also, I am this, I am that, I am a very punctual namazi, I am a hadisab, and I have done this, and I have done that. All these kind of claims, either it comes on our tongue, or it comes in our minds, or sometimes in very, very subtle ways we make these claims. person sometimes is saying something which is very innocent, but that very innocent statement is actually meant to give some other kind of message, meant to make some other claim. person is, for example, uh, talking about, well, in the night he woke up and something happened, he saw it, it was happened very early in the morning. Now he's talking about something else which happened outside the house, but the message in there is that, well, at that time of the night, I'm normally awake. So obviously, I'm awake at that time, so I'm very punctual on my tahajjud. So don't think I'm just like you, I sleep the whole night. Now he didn't say all those things, but that was the message that he quietly slipped in. So that he is recognized as a very punctual, as a person very punctual on his tahajjud. So now all these are the claims that we then very, very subtly make. 
But all these claims, this noise, there's a kind of noise now, all these claims. Hazrat Dr. Abdul Hay, one of the very senior Khulafa, Hazrat Anwi, he used to explain that all these claims, this noise, the example of this is like that pot of rice that is being cooked. So when it is still in the cooking process, it's not yet ready to be eaten. It's not yet worthy of being consumed. It's still now in the cooking process only. At that time, there's a lot of movement in that rice. It's jumping from this way to that way in the pot. And there's a lot of sound also from it. But the fact that this is giving off the sound and jumping around, this is an indication that it is still not yet cooked. And it is not yet ready for anything. Can't give anybody the nourishment that he wants. Can't give anybody the can't fill his stomach because this will be harmful for him. It's not cooked yet. But after some time when it has been cooked, now it just sits very calmly. And that's when the aroma all starts bursting forth. And that it becomes consumable, it gives that delicious taste. Everything comes when, when now it's sitting quietly. It's not making any noise, any sound, no claims. So he sees these sounds that we make about ourselves directly, indirectly, subtly, or within ourselves. We hear these claims of ourselves. All this is a sign that this is still far from cooked. And as long as this is far from cooked, there won't be any benefit to ourselves or anyone. That aroma and fragrance also won't get anywhere because it's still far from cooked. So that is an indication that there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still much to be achieved. So our Kabir lived their lives with this total tawazu. There was no claim from their side. And as we mentioned previously, that this reality becomes apparent on the spot. People are tested out of the blue. And that's a time when the reality speaks for itself. How they reacted to things. People hurled abuse at them and they just didn't react in any way. Imam Abu Hanifa is walking and suddenly another person starts walking alongside him and now he's talking to him and abusing him in all various ways, hurling all kinds of accusations against him and all kinds of abuse against him. And Imam Abu Hanifa is quietly walking along, not saying a word, until finally he came to one spot, so he stopped. So this person thought, why is he stopped? He said, well, I stopped because now I, this, my house has come. I got to go inside or my road is now turning this way, something of that nature. You're going to go the other way. So I stopped so that whatever else is left you want to say, it must not be that you feel that you didn't say everything. So therefore I'm waiting now. When you are over, then I will go away. So whatever else you want to say, you may say it. Once one person who used to always talk ill of him, then some time had passed and during this entire time somebody used to talk ill of him he used to every now and again send him some gift after some time that person somehow realized that this is a great mistake of mine I shouldn't be doing this or somebody explained something to him then he stopped so some time passed no gift came so he came to inquire that previously I used to talk ill of you I used to abuse you I used to talk all kinds of wrong things about you and you should send these gifts to me. So while I was 
abusing you, you are sending gifts to me, now that I stopped, nothing is coming. So Imam Sahib said that at that time, you were passing on a very great gift to me. You were giving me your good deeds. So I couldn't do something as great as that, but I was giving you some very trivial dunya in return. Now, that has stopped, this has stopped also. This was a kind of lesson for the person, for him to understand also, but in such a way, where while that abuse was carrying on, he didn't take any notice of it. Rather, he's sending the person some gift. So this is the lesson of tawazu when it truly comes in the heart of a person, truly comes in his life, then his whole manner changes. His whole way of handling situation changes. How he conducts himself in his own home changes. How he behaves and conducts himself with his wife, with his children changes. How he lives with people outside his home changes. Because everything now is guided by this tawazu. So this is what Allah Ta'ala says, that this is the very salient quality, the first thing, actually the first quality is what is in the title itself. The first quality is ibadur rahman that there is total servitude in them. And this is that servitude which then now shows itself in this humility, that they are very humble, they walk on the earth very humbly. And then further Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا salama." That when the people adopt ignorance with them, people deal with them with ignorance, then they say peace. People deal with them with ignorance, this doesn't mean that the person is necessarily ignorant. Sometimes a person who knows better, but doesn't act the way he should have acted, despite knowing how he should have conducted himself. How many times a person hears, for example, the evil of uh, using vulgar languages maybe, or the evil of hurling abuse at others, whatever else. So he knows it, so he's not ignorant of it. But yet despite knowing it, he still does the opposite. So this is what is referred to here, not necessarily that the person is ignorant of what is the correct conduct, of what is the right akhlaq, but he conducts himself in the wrong way, so this is that ignorance, his wrong conduct. So when people of wrong conduct, people of, who conduct themselves in an ignorant way, when they deal with him, when they speak to them, and get into an argument, some kind of quarrel, dispute, etc., what is their response? Qalu salama. This qalu salama doesn't mean they say assalamu alaikum. This is not what is referred to here. This, according to one explanation, the salam here is from tasallum. Tasallum referring to that they very nicely, they get themselves out of this situation. Without becoming, uh, without behaving in the same manner, without returning in kind, without causing taklif to the other person and without becoming sinful themselves. They don't cause any taklif to the other party also. They don't become sinful themselves in any way. So this is also a very salient quality of Ibadur Rahman. The true servants of Allah Ta'ala, the true servants of Rahman, they stay far away from disputes, arguments, quarrels, unnecessary things. They very nicely get themselves out of it, especially trivial things, things which don't have any bearing on anything in life, apart from the fact that you have to just hear something, 
they very quietly come out of it. One is there is some recoverable right. A person's right has been taken as whatever right. So that recoverable right, he's entitled to ask for it. If that is not being given to him, then there's the qaza system in an Islamic state also. He may go to the qazi and put forward his claim. So in a dignified way, then he will proceed and do whatever is necessary. And in that dignified way, he will ask for whatever he, his right is, that is all in place, that is something he's entitled to. But in terms of just petty arguments and disputes and quarrels and things which often stem merely out of this ego. The same, both are linked. That on the one, in the same ayat, Allah Ta'ala speaks about the humility of the Ibadur Rahman. And this is the effect of their humility. Due to their humility, they don't get into these things. They very nicely excuse themselves and move on. Hazrat Mawlana Rafi'uddin Saab, Rahmatullahi, the great alim and scholar of the time, and he was the principal of Darlum Dioban in his time. So now this mother institution, and he is at the helm of it, holding the highest post and position there. So he had one cow, which was a very common thing. People, this is one of the, especially in the poorer communities, person owns a cow, is a very wealthy person, because that now will become the means of so many things for him. The milk of that cow, that will be consumed, and the excess will be sold off, that will become income. So this is a very valuable thing. So every other person who could, would have had one cow, so that so many of their work gets done with that. So he had one cow as well, and when he would be coming to the madrasa, he would bring this cow along and go and leave it wherever its pastures are, so that it will graze there, and after time then, when he's returning, we'll bring it. So one day as he was coming, suddenly some urgent work came up at the madrasa itself, at the Darulum. So he didn't have the chance to now first go and put this cow into the pasture and then come. So in that urgency, he brought it along and just tied it along a tree, to a tree in the courtyard of the madrasa. Well, later now he will go and send it across. So as he's now busy in his work, one person, local person came up and he sees his cow tied here to this tree in the courtyard of the madrasa. Now that courtyard of the madrasa, that cow was just tied there. So he asked, started shouting at the top of his voice, asking whose cow is this? So somebody told him this is the cow of Mawlana Rafiuddin Saab, the principal of the Darulum. So he said, yes, this is how it carries on. Now he's talking on the top of his voice, making a big scene about it. And now wherever there's a scene, so there's spectators also. So now this whole crowd is gathering around, all coming to see what the tamasha is all about. So he's saying, see, this is how he carries on. He's made this his personal property. This madrasa has become his own now. Now he's bringing his whole, this, this courtyard of the madrasa has become his personal pastures. And he's going on and on. And this noise now started reaching the office that Rafiuddin Saab was working in. So he heard this commotion. So he came out to see what's going on. So somebody explained to him that this is what's happening. This person is objecting that this cow is tidier and you've made it your personal, made this madrasa courtyard your personal pastures and he's objecting to this. Now one way of going about this was, and which was 
fully within his rights to explain that all I have done here is just tied this to this tree, it didn't eat anything here. And this is just something that happened by the way, just by chance. And I haven't usurped anybody's property or done anything here. That was one way to go about it. What was his reaction? His reaction was that yes, what you are saying is true. He comes and says to the person, what you are saying is true. This madrasa doesn't belong to me. This belongs to Allah Ta'ala. It's not my personal property. And for me to have brought my cow and tied it here is wrong. And therefore, I'm making tawbah, I'm making istighfar. And then together with that, the feeling in my heart is this, that since you pointed out this mistake of mine, I should give you this cow. Now, that's a very valuable asset. It's like a person giving like his business away to somebody. He says, my feeling is that I should give you this cow. This person to mashallah was so good, he accepted that cow and quietly went away with it. But the point here is that this was his natural, now this is the test we talk about. That on the spot reaction. No time to now sit down and think, make bashara, decide, sleep over it, sleep over it, one person, now and then phones for some very complicated things. So every now and then when he phones, I tell him, okay, I'll sleep over it. So one day he said, I don't want to tell you anything because you sleep over it, you don't wake up after that. <laughs> so the point was that this was on the spot. There was no time to sleep over it. There was no time to think deeply about, okay, how should I react? What should I do? And spontaneous reaction really talks about what is the person's inside? What is his heart? And this was his heart. This was that inner state of his heart. He didn't want to get involved in all Whether This was something he was entitled to. But there is a higher level. In dunya, we are always looking for the higher level. In dunya, nobody is content with the basic. If he can do something better or get something better, get the higher, he always wants to upgrade and update. And everything in dunya is one level above. And when we get there, the person is looking at something above that. He's driving the I-10, so he's looking at the GTI. There must be still an I in there. And when he gets the GTI, then he's something beyond that. So we are never content with dunya. Dunya, we always want to be higher. But deen, then if the bare minimum is done, or we are on the first rung of the ladder to, that is sufficient. Whereas we should never be content with the amount of deen that we have the level of deen that we have. In that regard, we should always be looking at those who are beyond, who are above, and try to emulate them, try to reach them. And in dunya, always looking at those who have lesser. So Abdullah bin Mubarak, he says, I was at one point in time living among the wealthy, and I found there wasn't a person more sorrowful than myself. I found there wasn't a person experiencing more misery than myself. Because all the time I'm looking at others who have more than me. And as a result, I'm thinking I'm down and out. See, then I moved over to the neighborhood of the poor. And I found there wasn't a person more happier than me. Because all the time I'm seeing those who have lesser than me. And as a result, I started appreciating what Allah Ta'ala has blessed me. So this was expressed in this way merely as a lesson. Not that he really felt that he was down and out. But that little thought that comes sometimes. So this is the thing that in deen we should be looking at those ahead. 
and trying to follow in their footsteps. And in dunya, looking at those who have lesser and making shukr for what Allah Ta'ala has given us and being content on whatever Allah Ta'ala's blessings are upon us. So this is that aspect that Allah Ta'ala is speaking about here, that the salient quality of this Ibadur Rahman is that they don't get into all these quarrels and disputes, etc. Sometimes a person, it comes to a point where in order to save oneself from these disputes and so on, again, he's entitled to ask a right of his. But the higher level, if a person can manage, is to forego that right for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala loves this very greatly. And this is something that takes a person way ahead. Hazrat Mawlana Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahmatullah very, very great alim and sheikh of the time, passed away towards, I think it was 1999, 2000, around that time. So barely some 15, 16 years ago he passed away. And he was a person widely acclaimed throughout the Indian subcontinent, even in the Arab world. When there were certain issues that needed to be discussed among the ulama of the Arab lands, they would include him in that discussion. So in any case, he, towards the latter part of his life, person who was an author of many, many kitabs and many books, and especially a historian of note, his kitab, tarikh Da'wat wa Azimat, which is the biography of all the great personalities of Islam over the centuries. This is a masterpiece, especially every person in the knowledge of deen. This is a must to read. It was, it's translated into English also and available easily. So any case, he's a person who had studied history in depth, written the Sirat of Rasulullah also, and the biographies of all the various, of many Sahaba and the various great personalities of time. And he had studied all the ups and downs of people. So towards the latter part of his life, he one day gathered all his family members and he addressed them. And he said to them, I've called you for a very, very important work. I want to give you one very important advice. He said to them that in the study of this history that I've done over so many years, and for a person to write something, one is to just study it, to write something and write something of an academic nature. And he has to study it very deeply. He will write one page, for that one page he'll have to study five pages or 20, pa 20 pages. Then he'll put those 20 pages, the crux of it in that one page. So he has written volumes. So how much he would have studied it is obvious. Tariq Da'wat Azimat is in six, eight volumes. So he studied very, very deeply this whole history. So he's now addressing all his family members and saying to them that I have done a very deep study of history. And in this, I have seen all the rise and falls of all the very prominent families in time. Great families, families of great people of dunya, even great dini personalities who at one time their families were on a peak but with the passing of time there was no sign left of it. So he said, I studied all this very, very deeply and I've studied the reasons for this rise and fall. The reasons for, these, for the rise of a family as a family. Individuals continued to flourish till they were around but the family as a family that flourished and came to a peak but then suddenly just disappeared into the books of history and no sign of it. Meaning that legacy did not continue. So I even 
look deep down into the reasons of all this. He says, I'm summarizing it all into three things. So now he's giving it in just bringing the whole ocean into a teacup. So a person who, these are all lessons actually from the Quran and Sunnah. But in order to emphasize it upon them, he's giving it to them together with whatever they have already heard because this was a knowledge, this was a family filled with knowledge of deen. Every other person was an alim also. But he wanted to give it to them that here it is also in the light of experience of centuries. So he says if you want to flourish as a family in deen and in every other way, then these three lessons take it to heart. Number one, the first lesson he gave, never ever be the oppressor, rather be the oppressed. If the ideal is that you come out fair and square, you don't oppress anybody, you don't get oppressed also. That's the best thing. So that you don't cause any harm to anybody and you save yourself from harm also. But it sometimes comes to the crunch that either you become the oppressed and accept to do that or then a person goes on the other extreme. So if it comes to this, then you rather be the oppressed, don't ever be the oppressor. Because that so zulm and oppression is that which brings the azab of Allah Ta'ala quickest. So never ever be the oppressor. That was the first lesson he gave. Now this is actually volumes in this one lesson. And this too was the tarbiyat of his mother that was deep down in his life. He explains that incident as well, that once now the family that he came from was a family that was very prominent. Like you get sometimes a family that is looked up at from in society as, a, as probably the leading family of the community. So he was from that kind of a family. And he says while he was still a very young child. Now, nowadays also we have servants, we have maids. But we go back in time in India at that time. A person working as a servant was somebody like regarded as somebody who was at the lowest rung of society. Nowadays servants and maids no more have that or are looked down upon in that manner. They also have a certain position. This was something down and out. And they would regard themselves as somebody who had no rights also. So he says he was still a very young child and one day he hit the maid's child was also of his age. So hit him meaning, gave him one slap, or gave him one shot, whatever. Now children, children in their playing, the thing is that children, this carries on in children. Children will fight and they'll hit one another and after they finish hit one another, few minutes later they will also even be better friends than what they were before that. But the tragedy is that in the fights of children, children then carry on like adults, they start making up immediately. But adults become children. That fight which became history in one minute, that adults will make it a one hour, one hour issue. That too is ghanimat if it finishes off after one hour. It might carry on for one year also. Your child hit my child and my child did this and your child did that. That is the tragedy that those children then, that's an adult thing to do, that you made a mistake and 
then now you forget about it and carry on with life. So that's what the children do. That one fellow hit the other, the other fellow said something and they cried and forgot about it. The tears dried up, that issue got forgotten and now, as they say, they made up and carried on. So that they are behaving like adults. And the adults, due to that which the children forgot about, they make it a family feud. So what a tragedy this is, that what the child forgot about, now this became a family feud. This is unfortunately, again, coming back to that same lesson that we have been discussing, this lack of this tawazo. That my child was said something, my child, somebody did something. What was done, if it was not right, is not right. But in that process, this was an insult to me. What right or what, how dare somebody have this audacity to say this to my child, to do this to my child, so it's an insult to me. So now it's not the child what happened to him. He didn't even get hurt really. But it is my ego that got hurt. And now all this, that why was this done to my child, is not my child anymore. It's just the name of the child. The reality is my ego. It's my takabur and pride that got hurt. The child didn't even feel anything after that. So this incident we're talking about was, that he says that he gave this child one shot. Now this is the child of a maid of that time. That maid also, if she saw it, she would think that I hope my child doesn't even complain. Because this might become a problem for me. If my child even complains about it, this would have probably been her feeling. That I hope this child just keeps quiet about it. But in any case, he says that somehow this message got to his mother. That this is what he did, he hit the child. So his mother immediately called him and she called that child also. Now she called the child. Now that child too at that age is also conscious that I am the child of no, a nobody. I am a person who has no position in society. I don't have the right to tell anybody anything. But she tells the child that you hit him now. now. That child is so overawed, he doesn't have the courage to do anything. So the says, my mother took the child's hand and she hit me with his hand just to make me realize that this is something never to be done. Don't ever commit oppression and zulm upon anybody. It can be a maid's child, it can be somebody, a nobody's child, but it is insan. He is also a human being. And you have no right to oppress any insan. So that lesson became embedded in him and he says that this... and. Together with that, this was the lesson now he's giving his family that don't ever be the oppressor, rather be the oppressed. Allah Ta'ala is with the downtrodden. Allah Ta'ala is with the mazloom. And you will make that suffer, Allah Ta'ala will bless you in many ways. And this too is something history has repeatedly shown. That outwardly it seems that a person lost out. But the return of that suffer comes in so many ways. And on the other side, the person who was the oppressor thought he got away. But that also brings its consequences in so many ways. So this was the first lesson he gave. The second lesson, time is out, but just inshallah on some other occasion we'll deal with it. Second, second lesson he gave, don't ever indulge in anything, any haram. Don't ever consume any haram. Even stay away from doubtful things. Doubtful income. Don't ever go near haram, 
even doubtful income also, stay far away from it. And the third lesson he gave, that always deal with your family members in a good way, even if they deal with you in an indifferent manner. Even if they are uh, indifferent towards you, they deal with you in a wrong way, they deal with you in a oppressive way, whatever it may be, you always deal with them with kindness and in a good way. You return their wrong with right. He says these are three lessons, these he's summarizing the rise and fall of families throughout the centuries. These are all lessons from the Quran and Sunnah. These are golden advices which we should be taking to heart and this brings so much of khair and barakat in a person's life but dunya is after all a place of test. Everything won't be clear cut and apparent that this switch was pressed and this light came on. But indeed that is what happens. That a certain switch is pressed, very much later sometimes that light comes on. A person doesn't know where's the connection. How it got connected. Like the child, everybody shows the child magic. Say so press his button and look at the light came on. Now he can't see how it's linked. So he is very fascinated. So now he wants to play with it. Because this is something magical. But anybody who has grown beyond that age knows that it's all linked up. So likewise, we only have the sight to see what's outside. But behind this, there's another system of Allah Ta'ala. That that good a person has done, it's linked to some other reaction that will come. And likewise, the negative things also, that wrong a person did, it brings the consequences as well. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us.